So the title of my message tonight is, I want to be a gap filler. And I hope tonight that you will be so motivated to be a gap filler yourself. If you brought your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you didn't bring your Bibles, you, it will be on the screens as well. You can follow along on the screens tonight. But we'll be mainly in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 tonight, verses 19 through 23. And there is a study that, there was a study that was done, a Christian study that was done, and it found out an alarming maybe even unnerving statistic amongst America when it came to Americans and church. They found out that 53% of people in America will never go to church. Not once go to church. Absolutely never go to church. They've put them in a statistic or a, a category where they say, doesn't matter how, how many times they're invited or the type of technique marketing used to try to invite them into the house of the Lord, 53% of people are never going to come to church. Now, what we call that here in the ministry world is a gap. A, a gap. 53% of people. And that, that speaks to me a large gap. Like, sometimes you can spackle a hole, and other times you need to put in a whole brand new thing of drywall. Other times you need to put up a whole nother wall. I think we need to put up a whole wall here. This is a large gap. This is an alarming statistic that causes my eyes to, to get big. And here's an important question that you can even personally ask yourself right now. And I want you to answer this question for yourself. But then I'm going to give you the correct answer, so don't worry. But do you believe that you personally are called to the church or do you believe that you're called to a community? Now, if you believe that you are called to a church, the church, then guess what? Mission accomplished. You're done. Go home. You did it. No, home, home your heavenly home. You did it. Your mission done. You found a church. It's done. That can't be our mission, right? I think we're called more. More called, more asked to, by God, impact a community. Impact a community. Because that means you're never really done. That, you're always going to find somebody else who needs Jesus, somebody else who needs love, somebody else who needs prayer. You're going to find somebody who's lost. You're going to find hurting people. But if you just feel as if you're called to the church then your mission is completely accomplished and you're going to just sit back and retire. But that cannot be the end result for all of, for, for us today. 
So I'm going to try to do my greatest to convince all of us tonight to be a kind of person who says, I see this gap in my community. And I think we see it as, as Cornerstone Church. We see a gap. There is a gap in my community. What can I do to step in and fill in this gap? Church is great. More people need to be here. God is awesome. More people need to experience him. I love worshiping Jesus. I wish others wanted to do that with me too. That, that's somebody who says, I feel called to the community. Paul in the Bible did a really fantastic job at modeling this entire idea to us. When he would go out on his, on his mission experiences, I call them mission experiences. You know, he didn't call them mission trips back then. He just would say, I'm going to a place and I'm going to spend as much time as the Lord wants me there. He would find himself in the community preaching, teaching. He first, he first had a heart for the Israelite people, his own people. And if you felt like when he went to the temple and just did his greatest to preach and teach and preach and teach and preach and teach, if you felt like the Israelite community there in that town was rejecting his message about Jesus Christ, guess what he would do? He would then turn to the Gentile community. And it wasn't really about setting up a church, so to speak. It was about going into the community. A church would naturally pop up, and he would place a pastor there to... to shepherd those community, that community of people. But it was never really about going there and just planting a church and making sure people are in church. It was really all about going into the community, impacting the community. Jesus did a fantastic job of this too. But Paul modeled it quite well for his entire life. My prayer tonight as I prepared this message, as I thought about preaching this message, is that our heart would begin to break for the 53%. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23. This is what Paul says. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I am not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Have you personally ever had an event happen in your life where you will never be the same again? Some people have. Maybe you have. I mean, I pro you probably thought of a, a, a tragedy maybe even after I said that where you just thought that, you know, that moment, that event, that marked me. I'm, I'm not the same because of this event 
I had the honor to hear a story of such from a pastor where an event marked this man. When I heard his story, it marked me. And I felt like I wasn't the same after that, even though it never even happened to me. But I want to share that story with you tonight. A true story of a pastor on an airplane flying from Los Angeles, California to Detroit, Michigan. Four-hour flight. He found himself in the middle seat and uncomfortable and didn't, couldn't, find, couldn't get comfortable. So he decided to strike up a conversation with the girl sitting next to him. Her name was Michaela. And he noticed right away Michaela was different. She had a prosthetic leg from her, like, hip all, all the way down. I mean, very large and, and kind of rare, even. And so he, uh, he, he wanted to know more about why this young girl had a prosthetic leg, but he didn't know how to, how to start the conversation, so he just asked her a question that any of us would ask a stranger is, so what do you do for a living? You know, why are you going to Detroit? And she began to pour her heart out to him, began to explain to him that she's actually headed to Detroit to get fit for a special bicycle to do triathlons with. And it's a very unique, special, very expensive bicycle that will allow her to compete at a high, high level of athletics. She wants to become a world-class triathlete. And she's just beginning to explain the process of what it's like to be a triathlete. It's what she does completely full-time. How the, some of the things she has right now doesn't allow her to win because it's not good enough. Uh, you know, her equipment and her bike and all that stuff. And she really wants to upgrade. And then she said uh, to this man, um, I'm going to Detroit to get fitted, but I can't afford it. But I'm just going to Go see what happens. She had a hope and faith for this to happen for her. And immediately the pastor heard God speak to him and said, buy her the bike. And he didn't like that. <laughs> First of all, he, he told God exactly what I would have told God. Lord, I talked to my wife about such, such huge financial decisions. She's not here. Um, I'm not really in a position to just, you know, I don't have a checkbook on me. How do I give this girl money? I don't know this girl. I don't live in Detroit. She doesn't live in Detroit. I, how am I going to get, what is going to happen? What do you mean give this girl money for the bicycle? No. But he asked her, how much does the bike cost? She tells him the amount. <laughs> it's the exact amount of money he had in his pocket for speaking at a church in Los Angeles. It was the honorarium that he was given. He still didn't want to do it. She asked him, well, what do you do for a living? And he was hesitant to say, because he said this, I didn't want her to get all charity on me. Right? I didn't want her to think, that, oh, I'm a pastor, and so I'm going to be generous, and I'm going to be kind, and I'm going to be loving. And he didn't tell her what he did for a living. 
He danced. He didn't really say it. He, he diverted the conversation. But they talked for four hours straight all the way to Detroit. And he felt like he really was amazed by the tenacity and the energy and the passion of this young woman. And they land in Detroit. And she says, you know, you still never told me what you do for a living. He goes, well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say sometimes because it shuts people down. And I wanted to have a great conversation with you. But I'll tell you right now what I do. I'm a pastor. And she responds, well, I'm an atheist. And she shuts down. He goes, he just thought to himself, that's why I didn't want to say it. And he goes, Michaela, stop. I want to give you something. He signed the check over to her. All the excuses he had. I don't have a checkbook on me. And I haven't talked to my wife. He ended up having a check on him for the exact amount. He signed it over to her. He, everything that was on there, he gave it to her. They exchanged Instagrams. They followed each other right there on their phones. Where's your Instagram? Tell me your name on Instagram. I'll follow you. Oh, I'll follow you too. Thank you so much. And off she went, off he went. A couple weeks later, she sends him a picture on Instagram of the bicycle. Awesome. Oh, great, Michaela. That's awesome. I'm happy for you. Month later, how you doing? Fine. This just went on. Never, ever talked about God. Just, this is what's going on. Thank you for the bike. I just did my first ride on it. Nothing about God. Nothing deep. Nothing. Out of the blue, she messages him one day and says, can you please call me? This is my phone number. He responds back, yes. And then he forgot. A month later, she messages him again. Can you please call me? I really want you to call me. Do you have my number? Oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot to call you. Yes, I'm going to call you. He forgot again. He went on Instagram one random day, looked up just, you know, scrolling through, and he saw a post from her. And it was a post posted from her foster parents that she had died of cancer. It, it, it impacted him. It impacted him. Her story, everything impacted him. Her story is, is even a kind of story where, just to share a little bit more about her, when she was little, why she only had one leg, she had cancer in her leg as a very little girl. And it stressed the parents out so much that they dropped her off at the hospital and left and never came back to get her. So they put her into foster care, and the foster family neglected her, didn't take her to get any kind of treatments, and the cancer went all the way up into her hip, and they, finally, and, and they had to amputate her entire leg. I mean, that's her story. He never called her. And he says, why didn't I call her? I was busy, he said. I was busy doing pastor things. I was busy checking in on ministries and, and calling people to serve and, and having meetings with my tech team and, and pick, taking my kids to sports. And I just forgot. But it just, man. And I don't have any kind of ill will towards this pastor. You know why? I've forgotten to do things, too. I've made mistakes, too. 1 Corinthians 9.19, Paul says this, Even though I am a free man with no master, 
I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. I think Paul's saying here, man, you want to reach the 53%? I think you've got to be a servant to all. I'm going to say something right now that might blow your mind a little bit. God loves people you don't like. And I think we got to get to the point, too, where we got to admit that even with the people we don't like, there's something we have in common with them that we can actually agree on. I mean, you've got to be able to admit that. Even the one person in the world that you just don't like at all, I bet there's many things that you agree on if you just would humble yourself and say, yeah, I think I'd, there would be. We both love our kids. We're both passionate about our homes. We both love this kind of dessert or that kind of food. And we could sit down and have a normal conversation if we really wanted to. Do you want to connect with lost people or correct lost people? That's a question I asked myself as I wrote this message. Do I want to connect with lost people or correct lost people? I, I don't want to spend my time correcting lost people. I want to spend my time connecting. Paul told, told us in 1 Corinthians 9, I would enter people's worlds. To the weak, I became weak. To the strong, I became strong. To, to this person, I became what they were. To the Jew, I was this. To the Gentile, I was that. Although I never broke the laws of Christ. I, I just, I entered people's worlds. I connected with people. Man, I believe this is true with this next statement I'm going to share with you. I think our lack of compassion with lost people is directly connected to our closeness with lost people. The further we are away, the less compassion we have for him. The pastor said it was easy to forget to respond to Michaela because I never would run into her in my world. I kind of for would forget about her unless I opened my phone and intentionally scrolled down to somehow see a post she made. I just would forget about her a little bit. And I would say that our compassion for people is directly connected to our closeness to people. I love our invite team here at Cornerstone Church. A team designed to go after the 53%. I love that. And all of you tonight who work out in the world, you go to your job, you have such a tremendous opportunity to have a wonderful influence and impact on the world around you. Don't, don't take it for granted that you can go into a world full of lost people who need Jesus. Don't take it for granted. Don't, don't get upset about that. You, I, I hold the heart of, continue to have that heart of going after those people. Excited that you get the opportunity to do that. Did you know the most important thing about you and the most important thing about me is how we see God. I want to share another story with you. Same pastor. Same man. When he turned 40, he decided he wanted to climb a mountain. 
He calls it his midlife crisis. So he picked a mountain in Colorado, and he gathered a bunch of his friends and uh, family members even. He, he hit one of the persons he's grabbed was his, his nephew, Caleb. Young, young adult guy, uh, strong. He said Caleb had just had a terrible breakup with his fiance, and he felt like Caleb needed to have a, <laughs> a, some positive experience in his life. Something to take his mind off it, and he really, really wanted to use this trip as an opportunity to just talk with Caleb, because Caleb was not a Christian. He was not going to church. He was not serving the Lord. He just, he knew Caleb needed help. So he invites Caleb, and Caleb was more than excited to take a trip with some awesome guys to climb a mountain, and they picked a mountain in Colorado. They decided they wanted to climb it in one day. They wanted to send up and come back down in one day, so they started, I think you got to start hiking some of these things at like 3 a.m., and they hiking and hiking and hiking and going and going, and they finally realized, we got to take a little bit of a break here. Let's, let's sit down. Let's have some food, and let's rest. Let's get off our feet a little bit, and while they're doing that, the young men, two in particular, Caleb and another guy named Travis, decided they wanted to go look and and go climb up into this cave that they see from a distance and explore it. So they said, hey, you, you young boys, you got that energy? Go ahead. Go just come back, you know, in a little bit, whatever the time they gave them, and we'll continue up to the peak. And off they went, and they were like, they should be back by now. And they realized time kept going. They decided, we need to find these guys. This is scary. They started getting ner nervous. They were getting scared. So the, the pastor and some of the guys, they go. Sure enough, they find these two boys 200 feet up on the side of the mountain, stuck. Stuck. They come up to the boys. They see them stuck on the side of the mountain, and it's cold. And they say, come down right now. They tell them, we are stuck on this mountain. We are going to die. It turned out that these boys climbed 200 feet up into a cave, explored the cave, came out of the cave, and realized the way they went up, they are not able to get back down. The holds going up weren't working going down. They couldn't get down. They couldn't get off this ledge, they couldn't get down the way they went up, and they decided to figure out a different way to get out, and they went up higher, and they are now stuck. And they're trying their hardest to figure out a way to get back, at least down to the cave, to at least have some place to stay for the entire night. They don't have sleeping bags, a tent, warm clothes. They don't have anything to survive the night. They tell them, it, I, we're going to die no matter what. We think we're going to die tonight. And they yell up, hold on. We're calling. We are going to call Mountain Rescue. They call Mountain Rescue. Mountain Rescue says it's going to take us five hours to get there. While they're hanging up with Mountain Rescue, one of the boys, Travis, reaches up and grabs a little spot in the hill, and it is a loose rock, and it comes loose, and he falls over 200 feet, and dies. And the, the guys watching him fall just, I can't believe it, that this is what's happening right now. They go and they, they find him and he's dead. They yell up to Caleb, 
the pastor yells up to his nephew, says, Caleb, you must hold on. He says, I can't. Caleb, God has a purpose for your life, he yells out. You've got to hold on. He says, I can't do it. These rocks are coming loose. I'm getting cold. I can't be here. Caleb, you've got to hang on for five hours. You can do it. And for five hours straight, this pastor talked motivation and inspiration to his nephew on the side of that mountain. And sure enough, Mountain Rescue shows up. Caleb's still clinging on for dear life. And they climb up and they rescue him. They come down off the mountain. They cannot believe what this trip has turned into. And the pastor begins to ask Caleb a couple questions. They talk for hours. And Caleb tells him, I felt God helping me up there. I felt God holding me against that side of that, that crumbly mountainside. I felt God, and I was crying out to God, Lord, I don't want to die. I don't want to die here, God. And I, then I felt guilty. He told him, I told his, his uncle, I felt, I felt guilty. I started to tell God, God, the only time I call out to you is when I need your help. And the pastor began to tell him, fathers want their children to call for help. Even if it's the only time they're ever going to call them. Call for help. Even if you have a terrible relationship with me, I want you to call me for help. That's what every father's heart is. And he began to tell Caleb how much his father up in heaven loves him. Just longs to be in relationship with him. And there, that night, Caleb gives his life to the Lord. They come down back into the real world. They're from the Cincinnati area. Caleb decides to be a Christian and starts coming to his uncle's church. And they find out Caleb can sing. He joins the worship team. He joins his staff. He's one of his worship leaders on staff at his church. His name is Caleb. He wrote a worship, so- worship song called Record of Wrongs. They sing it at their church. I looked this song up to see if it was real, and it is. And I want to play it for you guys. This is the young boy, his nephew, who was stuck on the side of the mountain, who watched his friend fall to his death, who thought he was going to die, and he lived. And this is his song he wrote. It's about eight minutes long. It's a beautiful worship song. Do you, just want, you just want to listen to it and let it wash over you a little bit? All right. Let's, let's do that at this time. Can't be changed 
You have no memory. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 9, 22 through 23, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Ezekiel 22, verse 30 says this. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the, in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. God is always searching for gap fillers. Somebody who will say, wow, I see a gap. <laughs> I see something here, and I can fill this gap. Here's some truth about God that's important for us. His plans will be fulfilled no matter what. So if he asks you to stand in the gap and rebuild a wall of righteousness, but you say no, it doesn't matter to him because he will find somebody who will do it. And it won't be you, but it will be somebody Ezekiel the prophet has a terrible, uh, find some, signs out something terrible. God searched for somebody, and nobody there did it. So the wall of righteousness was broken down. Not a single person. So what was God going to do? He sent Jesus because he found no one. So he sent his son. And He'll get it done. And, he'll, <laughs> and sometimes, he, it doesn't matter how rebellious you are, the mission's going to get done. It's going to be fulfilled no matter what. God has a plan, and I think it's our job to say yes, to join it. God is looking for gap fillers today. Will you say yes? And I told you, I told you uh, before I went into that last story, that did you know the most important thing about us is how we see God? Do you know that's the most important thing about us tonight is how we see God? You see, Caleb saw God really as a frustrated deity, not interested in having a relationship with someone like him for all sorts of reasons. But once Caleb understood who God was, he approached. Do you have a wrong picture of God tonight? Actually, I, I bet you do. I think actually we all kind of do. Until we get to heaven, we don't really know everything about God. And even right now, as a Christian, I would guarantee you, that we all kind of have a wrong view of God at times with situations and, and things. And so if we, even right now, the saved, the Christian has a wrong view of God at times, I guarantee you the unsaved have a wrong view of God. But if they had the right view of God, 
If they could get to at least a small view of the greatest thing ever, if they could just see a little bit, then they're drawn in. See? And we saw a little bit at one point, and we were drawn into that, and then more and more is revealed to us as we go. You know, I don't believe the same things about God that I did 10 years ago that I do today. I've grown. And you'll grow until the day you die, thankfully, right? And that's that humility that, that the Lord loves. The Lord says he's drawn. God is drawn. Jesus is drawn to those who are humble. So we got to keep that, that humbleness, that childlikeness. I thought of some things that I've thought wrong about God about. For me, See, at one point in time in my walk with the Lord, I always thought I had to be perfect to be used by God. That's a a wrong view of God. God's never used a single perfect person into all of humanity except Jesus. So why would I think I have to somehow be something nobody else ever has been in the entire history of humanity? But I did at times, and I feel, and many do still today. I can't do that. I just, I've got too many things. And I can't preach a message on marriage. My marriage isn't perfect. I thought the enemy speaking that to me before I spoke Sunday. But that's a wrong view of God. Another thing I've thought for me, I thought God was always mad at me when I sinned. And then I realized God doesn't even remember my sin. The devil knows your sin. He brings it back up into you and remembers it. He has a great memory. He's pretty smart. But God never remembered your sin, so he can't throw it back at you. How can you bring something up that you didn't know? Figure out that riddle for me tonight. You see, for me, I thought if I didn't pray or go to church or read my Bible, something bad was going to happen to me. These are just things I've thought. I had a funny conversation with Jason last month, our production guy back there. He said when he was a kid, he thought the Lions lost because he sinned that week. (laughs) And they were always losing. (laughs) Isn't that right, Jason? (laughs) He's giving me a thumbs up. He, He thought he was the reason. It was punishment for him and everybody else in the world of You know, the world's punished because Jason sinned that week. (laughs) We laugh at that now, but you see, sometimes we have interesting views of who God is. Who is God? So there's no doubt in my mind that every single person who isn't a Christian has a wrong view of God. That if they knew who God was, then they would be saved today. And I'll close with this and we're done. You know what you need to do? We all need to do this starting tonight. It's a beginning a journey for us. We're going to do this. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to reveal himself to us for who he really is. And I say this is a journey because not a single person in here can take the full force of all everything God is in a one-minute prayer tonight. (laughs) you'd probably, like, melt away. You know what I'm saying? Like, your body would just be like, ah, like. But, but what God loves to do, though, is through, through stages and, and, and time, reveal, reveal, and show, and reveal. And if you pray a prayer tonight that says, Lord, 
I want you to begin to reveal yourself to me for who you really are. It's gonna, I'm going to tell you right now, it, it's going to take some time. I call it a while. But good things come to those who wait. And so what's going to begin to happen is, is he's going to begin to reveal himself to you slowly but wonderfully. Okay? And uniquely, it's going to happen through messages and worship songs and conversations and YouTube videos and Instagram scrolls. And, and it's just going to begin. He's just inviting him into that space. No matter what I do, God, I just want you to show me who you are more. Show me. Re, oh, shine, your, shine a part of your heart. I'll illuminate more to me, God, of who you are. I want to see you for who you are. Because if you get a glimpse of who he is, boy, I'm telling you what, it helps you go after the 53% better. It really does. I can't tell you how many times, how many times I just was studying something of no significance in my office. It wasn't a message preparation. It wasn't for a leadership lesson that I was about to give. I just was listening to a message in my office and it was just in the background. It was just pouring out and pouring out and pouring out in the background. And then the very next day, I find myself in a conversation with somebody at the grocery store and it's about the very thing I was just listening to in my office. I was prepared and prepped and ready to go to have a powerful conversation with somebody else. You see, you just say, God, I want you to just begin to just talk to me more and reveal yourself to me more. And he will do it in unique ways and prepare you for the future. To, to help you go after the 53%. To say, I just learned this about God. It's exactly what you're struggling with right now. Listen to what I just found out. Let's pray that prayer tonight. It's not a long prayer either. It takes less than a minute, but we'll probably pray for a minute. But just bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me tonight as we close. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Lord, I know you're not mad at the world. You prove that by sending Jesus. You just, you want to be with your special treasures. That's us. You long to have a relationship with your special possessions. That's me. That's us. That's the world. That's humankind. Lord God, break our heart for what breaks yours. Give us a des the desires of your heart, Lord. Reveal yourself to us more. Show us who you are. Lord, I want a real, true vision, real, true sense of your heart and who you are so that I can see things like you see things, so I can have greater faith and more trust and, and more peace. Lord God, tonight, begin to answer this prayer wonderfully and slowly even, Lord God, reveal yourself to us in the little things in life. We invite you into our TV watching and our music listening. We invite you into our social media. We invite you into our conversations with our spouse and our children. We invite you into our workplace. We invite you into the, into the radio when we turn it on in the car. Everything, Lord God, would everything be a moment where you say, that's me, that's my heart, that's who I am, that's what I want, that's my desires, that's my will. Lord, begin to reveal yourself to us more so that we can have a heart that breaks for the 53%. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 You're dismissed. We'll do another gap-filling message next week, but it won't be on the 53%. It'll be on a different gap. All right?
You're dismissed. We'll see you Sunday.